And the existential midlife crisis comes when a man begins to juggle or let's say struggle with freedom and responsibility, with obligation and and desire. When he begins to see that there needs to be a mix between this hard work and the rewards for it. When he wants to feel appreciated, when he wants to feel like he's contributing to something. You're listening to the Money and Meaning Podcast, where we chronicle the search for meaning over money. I'm your host, Kenei Porter, National Certified Counselor and the world's number one financial hypnotherapist. This podcast is the mission-driven CEO's guide to wealth without burnout, guilt, or greed. So let's get into today's show. COVID has shown us that our health is so very important. And as a healthcare professional, I just know this so well. And you listening, you might be a healthcare professional, or maybe you know a healthcare professional who has taken this to heart. You know more than anyone that the way that you're going to survive, strive, and thrive is to take care of your health, physically and mentally. Have you been looking for a way to help your patients or clients heal faster with longer lasting results? Well, Tame Your Brain Therapy is a healing modality that can remove the blocks keeping your patients from healing properly. In just four weeks, you can become a Tame Your Brain Therapist and give your patients the boost in their healing that both you and them are looking for. You'll learn so much in this training and you'll be able to raise your revenue in your company this is for you if you've been looking for a way to break through resistance. It's the most comprehensive brain-based healing modality available online. So go ahead and click the link in the show notes so you can add a healing modality to your business that can change you, your patients, and the world. I'll see you Oh, remember, early bird pricing ends October 7th and registration ends October 4th and we get started on November 1st. So be there. If you're remotely interested, just click the link. This could be for you. Hey there, my prospers. This episode, I already know it's going to be one of my favorite episodes. So welcome to today's show. So glad you're here. I'm especially glad you're here if you are a man and you are in search of meaning over money. This is going to be the episode for you. If you are thinking now is the time for me to find meaning in life, then you're in for a treat. If you're not there yet, you're still in for a treat. Why? Because you're going to get there, which is why the title is why every man will eventually want more than money. Yes, every, 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 
every. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not until he's on his deathbed, eventually the light will click. Yeah, that's how lights click in my brain. <laughs> and he'll say, oh, why didn't I spend more time with my children? Why didn't I go on more of those trips where it wasn't about work? Why didn't I open that library? I should have done that. Okay, you get it. So let's go back. Why every man will eventually want more than money is an important conversation if I'm catching you in the midst of you on your search for meaning over money, then this will make you feel like, oh, I'm not so crazy and I'm not alone. And if I'm catching you early, you you haven't gone through it yet. You're not even there yet. You're still in the keep your head down and work, 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 money, 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 got to get more money mode. Then when it happens, you'll know you have this resource. We've already had this conversation. So you'll know what to do. So let me just say that we call this an existential midlife crisis. So that moment when the man wants more than money, we call it at Presidential Lifestyle, the existential midlife crisis. And the existential midlife crisis comes when a man begins to juggle or let's say struggle with freedom and responsibility, with obligation and and desire. When he begins to see that there needs to be a mix between this hard work and the rewards for it, when he wants to feel appreciated, when he wants to feel like he's contributing to something, where it's not just about more dollars, more dollars, more dollars, when it's about more time and energy and and what I call blossoming, when it's about the blossoming, where he wants to see how the money is going to fuel or feed or water something else and make that thing grow. So not just the money growing, but how the money is getting poured into something else and that thing is growing. And not just for a tax write-off, because sure, most of the wealthy people I deal with, they have stuff, causes and all of that that they're putting their money towards. They're usually not putting much time and energy towards it. Some are, especially the wives of my wealthy clients, a lot of times the wife is. So then the husband feel like he is because he'll show up at a charity event and, you know, he'll do the thing, but mostly he's stroking your check. And I remember a friend of mine way, way back, this is 20 years ago, and he's busy working a lot. Usually he is up at five o'clock in the morning, goes to the gym, he's there, goes straight to his office and works until you know, late at night, maybe seven o'clock, gets home eight, nine. So his life was full. And But anytime anybody would ever ask him to donate, he would. He would stroke a check in a minute. It's like, absolutely. Especially if it was like kids involved. But yeah, most of the things that he cared about, if they, if somebody came to him, he was writing a check and it was not a problem. It was not a problem at all because he had multiple millions. And now this same man, older 50s, is spending more time, a lot more energy, giving. Still a generous person, always been a generous person, but giving in a different way now. And it is so awesome to watch. And I was there to see the transition. And I don't even know if he's aware of it. We haven't talked about it. He is a friend of mine, 
but we haven't discussed that particular subject yet. But it would be great when we do. But it's something I've noticed as his, that he's going through. And he's been going through it probably over a year now. Just seeing him shift. It's probably been, it might even been two years. COVID took a year out of my life. Um, it might even been two years of me seeing that shift in him. Applying more time and energy, working less and enjoying life more. But every man will hit that. So let's dig into what that is. Why that is. And I'm pausing because I want to see where I want to start exactly, because I want to take you on this journey so that you see where this man has been and where he is going and how he got to his existential midlife crisis. So let's do that first. So this man, and and well, let's start him out as a boy. He was a boy who had an idea. He's like, I want to be, and it was that. Right. He said the thing. He might have said, I want to be wealthy or rich or famous or important, powerful, whatever it was that he said. And he set his sights on money or power or respect or whatever it was, fame. He just set his sights on it. And everything he did was to get there. And he kept his head down. He may or may not have followed the rules. So there's two different types of guys. There is the guy who followed the rules, who's going to get into an existential crisis, right? He followed the rules and then he's going to feel like, wait, I got the house. I got the dog. I got the wife. I got the two kids. I got the, you know, the job, the degrees, all the things that society told me to do. And I still feel unfulfilled maybe even broke. So that guy, I'm not talking about that guy, but that guy, that is an existential midlife crisis as well. So you see even more. So I'm talking about a specific guy and why his existential midlife crisis is going to happen. Every single guy is going to have one. It may be for different reasons. So I just want to put up front, that's not the guy that I talk to most often or, or guide through an existential midlife crisis, but I can guide him too. And I love to. But the one that I that I guide the most is the one who didn't follow the rules. He charted his own course and now he's starting to question himself. So the first guy followed all the rules and he's going to start to question society. They, right? They say you're supposed to do these things. Happiness is a house, a wife, two kids and a dog, right? Picket fence. You saw it on television. You're supposed to be happy. What are you doing? Why are you not happy? Right. And then he'll feel like some guilt for not being happy. He has a great life. He makes his couple hundred thousand dollars a year and, you know, pays his taxes and goes on his year annual leave, annual vacation. So why? Why does he not feel happy? And how dare he not? So maybe there's some guilt there. But then there might even be some greed as he like, oh, I want more, I want more, I want more. And then he might even hit this wall. Like he's been trying and trying and trying. He can't get the more. So he has an existential life crisis. And then there's the guy who didn't follow rules, charted his own course. He zigged and zagged, maybe had some trial and error, but he worked his butt off. Nobody worked harder. He worked smart. He worked hard. He worked consistent. He worked all the ways. 
And he kept his head down and he was just work, work, work. And his wife kept telling him, look, you got to do something besides work. And he's like, look, you're expensive lady. He didn't say that to her, but that's what he was thinking. And, and these kids are expensive. And I want to show off to the bully that bullied me in third grade. And I want to show the guy next door that I can buy a bigger lawnmower than him. And, oh no, we got these other things. We got to keep up. We got to keep up. And I got to take you on big, great vacations. And there's, I want to send these kids to private school. And, and if I don't keep working and I don't keep working, I'm not going to be able to do all these things. And then one day after doing all those things, he looks up, he's 45, maybe 55, because that's usually when this happens, depending upon when he started work, because, you know, millennials come out the wound wanting meaning in their lives. So this is starting to happen earlier, but I'm really talking about like a Gen Xer right now, the guy who's about 45, 55 is in now is when it's going to happen. So if I say 45 or 55, I'm talking about a Gen Xer. But for a millennial, it's probably going to happen a little earlier than that. And for a baby boomer, it could happen later because it could happen for a baby boomer, 55, 65, because he is, it's going to take longer for him to want that meaning because he, his programming is deeper. Millennials are less programmed than Gen Xers. And in this next generation that I think might be Generation Z, they're really going to only want meaning in their lives. And this is a wonderful thing. And these are the babies that I'm like, yes, I need these babies on my team so we can all preach meaning, you know, be ministers of meaning. So this is what is happening. This guy is questioning himself. So when you begin, guys, to question yourself, question society, Question the meaning of life. Your midlife crisis is beginning. Your existential midlife crisis is just beginning. And this is when some people get divorced because the wife can't understand it. She's like, what the heck is going on? I thought I knew this man, but she doesn't. And when he, I'm sorry, as I was saying that, I just thought of a friend that I need to call because this is happening for her husband. Oh my goodness. And they have a great relationship so she can likely support him through it. But it just hit me that that is what he's going through. And I'll tell you why. Because it often happens when a catastrophic event happens in the life. Like maybe the father dies. And even if the father dies, like maybe the father gets very ill and the son is then aware of his mortality, but he's also aware that it's time for him to take the crown. Now, many men listening to this may not have even had a father or may not have even respected or loved or had a great relationship with your father. None of that matters. All that matters is that you get like the word, your father died. Maybe you didn't even know your father, right? But somehow that catastrophic event, it triggers mortality for you. And you're going to want more. And and it's not going to be more money. You're going to want more out of life. And even if you've been faking it all the way up into this point, you're going to get real. You're going to get true to yourself. And then it can happen when a mother passes, but it's not as likely to happen when a mother passes. It's more likely to happen when a father passes even if you didn't have a close relationship. So think about what happens when 
a catastrophic event happens in your life. It brings up so many questions and you begin to think, am I going in the right direction? And that's what happens when the father dies. Or if, and it's just like, say the business closed and you have an opportunity to start all over in that moment, you can decide, do I keep doing what I was doing and feel that same way again? Or do I shift right now? I have an opportunity to become anybody I want to be. I can go back to 19 years old and start all over. And I mean, mentally go back to 19. That's why sometimes in this existential midlife crisis, a man might buy a, you know, a car that he remembered from nostalgia, like a car that he remembered from when he was about 19. And, oh, let me go back because I was telling you the journey of this man. So I apologize. Let me take a step back. So this man was a boy and he had an idea of power, money, whatever it was that he commanded that he wanted in his life. And then as he was journeying through, he might've took the road of, let me follow the rules and do what society told me to do. Or he took the road of, I'm going to be the rule breaker. I'm going to chart my own course, right? No matter which road he took, what then happened is he started to collect or remember the beliefs that got instilled in him between zero and five years old. And so between zero and five years old, all of that stuff that got instilled that made him say he wants to be powerful or rich or wealthy or respected or you know known, all of those things that happened that made him say that, now that programming is starting to come up and he is figuring out what he needs to do, like what it will take. Now, what it will take based on programming is different than what it will take based on metaphysics. So I'm not talking about the metaphysical, what it will take. He'll decide through his programming what it will take. And a lot of times it is hard work. That's one of the biggest programs that this man has. And every man has, it's just work, work, work. Now, do you have some lazy men? Yeah, but they're still under the idea that they have to go get the money, right? Even if it is, I have to convince some woman to give me the money or I have to con somebody out of money. That's still their way of doing the work. They're not doing the hard work. They're doing mentally hard work or they're willing to give up their integrity. Now, many men have given up their integrity to get to their money. They have done things that they're not proud of to get to their money, especially the ones who are especially greedy who have their heavy insecurities and just can't give up what it means to be wealthy, the program that they have. So that is the course that he took. And then one day he goes, what the hell happened to my life? Like, this isn't what I was, when I was five years old and I said, I want to be wealthy, this isn't what I was talking about. I said, I wanted to be powerful. This isn't what I was talking about. I said, I wanted to be known. This isn't what I was talking about. This isn't, this doesn't feel like what I was trying to feel. Mm-hmm. Now we get to it. You see where I'm going? If you've been with me a little while, you do see where I'm going. If you haven't, this is one of your first episodes. You're like, no, can I keep going? Tell me. So I will. So it's the feeling. When you were five, when you said that thing, you had a feeling that you wanted to feel. And that's what you were talking about at that time. But as you went through life and you did all the things and step by step by step, when you got to this age, this existential midlife crisis age, it doesn't feel like you wanted it to feel. 
And that's when your eyes open. And a lot of times a catastrophic event creates that. It creates the questioning that you start to have, questioning yourself, society, the meaning of life. You also, when you get and you don't feel that feeling that you wanted to feel, then you say, wait, it's not working. All this stuff that I'm doing is not working. So why am I still doing it? I still feel the voids. I'm not feeling any of the voids I feel, right? Feeling, F-I-L-L-I-N-G, any of the voids, I'm F-E-E-L-I-N-G, feeling. So if you're still feeling voids, then feeling voids isn't working. Mm-hmm. So that happens. And then his existential midlife crisis triggers. When it just becomes not fun anymore, when the hard work is like, what is the point? When the step by step by step by step, the repeat, 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 rinse and repeat, when it's just not fun anymore. I don't care if he owns his own business or he has a job, works for someone else or doesn't have a job at all. He is going to say, this is not having a job. is not fun anymore. Of course, I don't typically work with the person that doesn't have some source of income, but that person is also going to have a midlife crisis. When he doesn't care about the man in front of him anymore. Yeah. When he's been looking, looking, looking at Joe and Bob and Ted and Johnny, you know, when those people don't matter to him anymore, when he's not chasing what Mark has, or what Todd has, when he stops chasing those people and he stops and he says, let me look inside myself. What have I done? What have I not done? Who am I? Who have I hurt? Who's hurt me? Why am I even hurt? Is there more for me? What else is there? when he no longer cares about what the other man is doing, when that just is not important to him anymore, he is going through an existential midlife crisis. You are going through an existential midlife crisis. When he begins to believe that "Mm, I'm not getting the love that I set out to get, I do not feel appreciated. Where is the love, man? I've been working hard. I should be getting love right now. They don't even know how hard I've been working. They don't even realize the sacrifice I made. I thought that they wanted me to be doing this thing. And it doesn't seem like that's what they want from me. Maybe I should try something else. Yeah. Now, I can tell you when you go through that existential midlife crisis, that it's going to take some time, six months to a year before your people start to shift and understand, oh, now you want to love us, right? You're going to get some pushback at first, but you've got to tell them, you got to keep doing it. The same way you kept going to work, you got to keep loving on them. Now you want love, you're going to have to give it in a way you've never given it before. 
And that's where financial hypnotherapy is probably going to come in because you probably heard me say in the last episode that we are using money to get love and acceptance. And so the financial hypnotherapy is helping you reconcile the emotions around what you think you need to be doing to get that love and acceptance. So before you believed that you needed to work hard to support your family and give them all these material things and things that you could show to the world. Oh, see how well I take care of my family? Look, yeah, I love my family. And they didn't receive it. They were like, yeah, I'll take that car. I'll take that you know, purse. I'll take that trip. Sure, thanks. But that don't feel like you love me. That just feels like you gave me something because each one of your family members is going to need love a different way. But you are programmed to give love a certain way. You programmed yourself early on. A society programmed you and you received it and accepted it. And then and that was zero to five, seven. And then seven to 14, you were just like proving those hypotheses, you know, with your friends on the play ground and seeing, oh, if I give somebody my coat, will they love me? You know, and then and then 14 to 21, you were just playing that out and the girlfriends you picked and the best friends you picked. And then all of a sudden you really, truly solidified that. And then you played it out for a while. And now you are at 45 or 49 and you're like, no, this isn't the way you get love. And I want, I want more love and I want different love. And it's just I want more fun too, right? Yeah, like sure, you've been going on trips and you've been doing the things, but you've been stressed. I know you maybe you heard me say in an earlier episode, I knew a man who had a heart attack on vacation on the beach in Hawaii because he wasn't taking care of himself, working, working, working. He had gone through a really bad deal that he never forgave the people from. They stole from him. His idea, he built it. They tried to partner with him and then eventually they took it. A bad contract got in the way of him and his legacy. He couldn't forgive them. I was just watching, it's like Rumble in the Palace or something like that. Malice in the Palace. And it's on Netflix. And no, I'm not getting paid for that. So you can go and check it out. But the reason why I bring this up is because one of the basketball players just could not, his name is Jermaine O'Neal, I think. Jermaine O'Neal, he just could not forgive Ron Artest for like the irresponsibility that he had. And years and years, this is 20 years later, that thing happened almost 20 years ago. I think it happened in 2004. It was when the Pistons and the Pacers got into the really big fight where the fans and the players were fighting. And the play, a lot of the, the players, some of the players involved got suspended where Jermaine O'Neal never forgave Ron Artest for starting that. And I don't really think he started it because the fan who threw the cup at the at him is what started it because he really was trying to. He was trying not to escalate it. He did something. He, you know, did a player thing where kind of filed, filed a little too hard. And then a player um, threw the cup. And in, in this incident, Jermaine O'Neal was stuck. He could not move out of it. Financial hypnotherapy would have been perfect for him and even still can be. Because as I was watching him, I could see the hurt in his eyes because that is the gift that I have. Now, oddly enough, I actually saw a lot of healing in Ron Artis and a lot of healing has happened in his life. 
And even the other guy, Jackson, whose first name I'm not going to remember, I saw a lot of healing in his life too, but he still had some healing to do. And somewhere soon, and I already see it happening for Jermaine O'Neal, he is hitting his existential midlife crisis. He's ready to forgive. He's ready to let it go. And watch, even though he's missed out on a lot of money, because his game just was completely different, right? He missed games because of the, he got a suspension. So that was just money he missed out of, missed out on. And he probably stayed focused on the money that he lost rather than focusing on the money that he could go towards and blaming and blaming and blaming and blaming and blaming and probably having shame about what he did. But the more he would do our breakthrough to clarity, the more he will let go of all those layers that have been holding him back. And the financial hypnotherapy that we teach is a whole person. It's a whole person. So he he's looking at his wealth and feeling some shame and some guilt and some you know victimhood around it. Um, and yes, he's made millions of dollars, but like last episode, I said, you can be a millionaire and still need financial hypnotherapy. In fact, those are the people that I work with the most. And I see that need financial hypnotherapy the most because he's mask, he's able to mask a lot of that, but he can't hide it from me and he can't hide it from himself because that pain is real. And eventually, this is my next point. The suffering will be too much and you want to let it go. And when you're ready finally to let that suffering go, then that is when you hit your existential midlife crisis. And this is like a mental suffering that I'm talking about, but there could also be a physical suffering too, because a lot of times, and I'm going to do an episode on this, but a lot of times our mental wounds create physical ailments. And I would guess, and I don't know Jermaine O'Neal yet, but I would guess that he has some physical illnesses, probably some back pain that he's dealing with, and maybe even some things going on in his heart. He appears to be a healthy person, but how many times have you heard about like some healthy looking person with like lung cancer or, you know, or skin? I don't know. It just, you have seen it before and you're like, wow, this person appeared healthy and they ate healthy, but the inside there was this thing going on. And that's because there was a mental thing and the body was trying to get your your attention and it couldn't get your attention with the mental thing. So it said, you know what, I'll make it physical. And then that way you'll heal this thing that's creating this suffering for us. So the mental suffering, the physical suffering might get unbearable and that existential midlife crisis will get triggered. And this is when he'll search for meaning. He won't want to have to suffer anymore. He'll want to have more fun, more love, He'll want to take his crown and be the king that he set out to be. He no longer cares about that other man. When hard work is just not fun anymore, because hard work used to be fun, right? You know, some of you right now are just priding yourself after your hard work. Grind till you die and all of that crap stuff. You might get there faster if you keep grinding that hustle squad or whatever. I'm such a nerd. But you know, all of those sleep is for the the weak. It's like, no, sleep is for the healthy. 
You want to be healthy? Go to sleep. It is not a badge of honor to not sleep. It's actually hurting you. And when he gets to that point where he would love to have a good night's sleep, that's when the existential crisis happens and he wants more meaning in his life. And money is secondary because he just wants a good night's sleep. And oh my gosh, what great feeling I get when I meet with somebody in like a reflection session and they're like, oh, I've been sleeping through the night or I fall asleep so easily. Oh, my heart warms. I love that because sleep is so freaking important to your health. And without it, man, so many of these other things that, you know, you just can't have a good, healthy life without healthy sleep. So the very, very most common reason, the very, very most common, I don't know, the most common reason why every man will eventually want more than money is because he'll want to leave a lasting legacy. He'll want to be remembered. He'll want whatever, his grandchildren or his, even if he didn't have children or grandchildren, he'll want his name to go on. You know, Carnegie or Carnegie really is how it's pronounced. You know, Carnegie, like the the universities, the libraries, the Carnegie Hall, right? I don't know why they just don't call it Carnegie Hall. But anyway, I just imagine what he was going through in his existential midlife crisis. He was looking back over his life and he saw the wreckage. People died because it's unsafe work environment that he wouldn't spend a couple extra dollars on to improve because what he required from his workers created such bad conditions. People died. I bet he looked over that, the greed he had, you know, things he had to do and question his integrity, how many lies he told to get where he was. None of that is even None of that has value to his life. In fact, it took away from the value in his life. And he eventually felt like he wanted to make amends, make up for it. And that's why he did all of that great work before his death, because of his existential midlife crisis. Do you want to leave a lasting legacy? I know you do. Because meaning makes the world go round, not money. It's meaning. And you might be faking it and you might be pretending like you've got meaning, but you can't fake a meaningful life and you can't fool yourself, even if you fool the others. And when you get tired of trying to fool yourself, you will then search for meaning. And money will no longer be the most important thing in your life. Will it still be important? Absolutely. But it will no longer be the most important thing in your life. And you'll see wealth. I mean, true wealth. You might even make more money after you stop focusing on it so much. It's amazing how it happens sometimes. You'll see more love. You'll see more adventure. You'll see more better health. So much more. Meaning overall. So you know how I sometimes ask you, what is your idea of prosperity? 
Now I want you to get specific on this one specific part of your idea of prosperity. And that is, what is meaning to you? Answer that question now that we're done here. What is meaning for you? What is meaning for you? Have you thought about that? What would have to happen? What would it take for you to have a meaningful life, for you to find your life meaningful? If you're not in it, in your existential midlife crisis right now, I guarantee you, you're going to be so thankful that I asked you this question. As you began to think about what truly is meaningful, because then you're going to put a mirror up against it and say, do I have it? And this episode could actually trigger your existential midlife crisis. And to that, I say, you can thank me later. (laughs) You thought I was going to say, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. I am so not sorry. I'm actually so incredibly thankful that we had this conversation, that I could be the one to spark this. A little bit of ego there, I know. But for the most part, it's more like meaning. That is what makes my life meaningful. This is what I live for. I live for having a conversation with someone and they say at the end, huh, I never thought about it this way. That's interesting. Mm, Like they just have an aha moment in our conversation. Now at the risk of sounding arrogant, almost every conversation I have is like that. So You can just imagine how meaningful my life is. And when it doesn't happen, I'm almost like surprised. Not the other way around. I'm surprised when people aren't like blown away by me. And that's why I don't really have imposter syndrome. In fact, I don't have it at all. It's pretty freaking sad sometimes because it means that I do things that I am so not qualified for, but it doesn't matter. I get qualified along the way. So, um, But, and that's because it's a journey. The journey is what makes you qualified. So you can start out unqualified, but sometimes I just start out. So like this one time where I tried to teach a um, step aerobics class before I had actually, I didn't even learn step aerobics. I had taken a bunch of step aerobics class, but I had never learned how to teach it. And I didn't know there was a difference between attending a class and teaching a class. And so I was like, sure, I can do this. I've taken hundreds of these classes, I'm sure I can lead one. Okay. Yeah. No, that was a I Love Lucy episode. Anyways, my point here is I love having these conversations with you because this is what I do without having to have learned anything. This I was born with this. So what were you born with? What is that gift that you were born with? And if you're a basketball player, sports figure listening to this and you're thinking, I I did, I use my gift. I play ball, right? Or whatever sport it is. But what if there was another one? I know what you're saying. I've won medals and rings and championships and all the games, right? But I'm, I'm thinking there's something else. And this episode is for you. I know you feel like you've already done it, right? You used your gift, But there's another gift brewing inside of you, one that you haven't even tapped into yet. Maybe you tapped it, but you haven't really cultivated it. And that existential midlife crisis is going to get you to water that seed and watch it blossom and see more meaning. Yes. Can you see it? I can see it for you. And I'm just so 
incredibly thankful. I'm so glad we had this conversation and I'm looking forward to our next conversation. Our next conversation is going to be really good too. I feel like we're getting closer. Like these last couple episodes have been so fulfilling for me. And and I wanted the next conversation I want to have with you is how to determine the patterns that are blocking you. Yeah. And they might not be blocking you from money. They could be blocking you from love or health or meaning. (laughs) So I want you to determine that. And that means you have to come back next week. All right. So I will see you soon, my prosperity pro. Thank you for staying all the way to the end. And let's determine what it would take for you to have meaning. Answer the question. What does it mean for you to have meaning in your life? I'll see you sooner. Thanks for listening all the way to the end, my prosperity pro. I want to stay connected with you. Here are four ways. Pick the one that works best for you if you want to stay connected with me. One, if you have any questions, I'd love to answer them. Send them to podcast at presidentiallifestyle.com. I'd love it if you would make a one or two minute audio message and attach it to an email. That'd be the easiest way for me to get it. Ask me anything about creating a life of meaning over money and I'll get you an answer. Remember the email address is podcast at presidentiallifestyle.com. Two, subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends because you guys might want to have a discussion about it, especially if they're a CEO who wants to shift from the old American dream to a life of meaning. Three, we try not to have any sponsors on this show unless they are truly in line with our values. I mean, really a good fit. So that means we fund this podcast ourselves. I'd like you to take a look at our resource page to see if there's any products or services that we recommend that are right for you. If not, no worries, maybe later. If so, please use our affiliate link to purchase. Thank you in advance for doing that. You are such an amazing person. Okay, four and last. If you want to know what's happening over here at Presidential Lifestyle and you want us to email you the update, then go to presidentiallifestyle.com slash blog slash now. And you'll see the current updated blog for the week, but you'll also see a link to subscribe to that blog. We can email it to you if you like. That's presidentiallifestyle.com slash blog slash now. Don't worry. You don't have to remember that link or any links. They're all in the show notes. Oh, and I forgot to say, if you're enjoying this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review and tell us how much you're enjoying it. And now for the legalese. This podcast is not to replace professional counsel. The best advice is from a professional who knows you and your specific situation. The topics discussed in this podcast are general in nature and for informational or entertainment purposes only. We encourage you to meet with a professional that you can discuss your specific situation with. Whether you choose us or someone else, one-on-one counsel is important 
whether it's a financial, therapeutic, legal, or other decision. So that's all for now. I'll see you next episode. And remember, you can have wealth in all of its forms. Believe it, and you'll soon see it.